Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Well, today I want to speak to you out of uh, also the the um, Gospel of Luke. So thank you for that fine word that came earlier, Cami. That's brilliant. And I'll try and touch on that as I go because um, much of, of what's been brought aligns with what I want to bring you today. But I want to speak to you out of Luke chapter 1. It's a passage of Scripture that God has spoken to me on numerous occasions or through it on numerous occasions over the last while. And it's about faithfulness. It's about surprise. It's about uncertainty. It's about joy and breakthrough. Um, and it's probably quite apt for this time of the year as we get ready for the Christmas season. And so uh, let me take you through it. Luke chapter 1, I'll read from verse 5. And I hope that um, I will lift your, your expectation today to see God fulfill these promises that He's spoken over you and what brilliant words that you carry as a community. And I also want to remind you and just stir you that our faithfulness and our responsibility responsiveness to God is so key in these moments. So even seeing your Alpha course, uh, Trinity Church London, we planted about 18 months ago. We held our, or they did, I sound like we, yes it is part of me, but I'm hardly there at the moment. We had our first Alpha course um, this last six weeks in London. We had six people join us and we saw two come to knowledge of Jesus Christ so far. And, and join the church. So on this past Sunday, we had one of them come and testify in the front. This guy just beaming of his faith and what God had done. He said, I've never understood. But through the Alpha course, I suddenly, it all made sense. And I put my faith in Jesus. And you could just see the transformation being expressed. So be encouraged and please um, do all you can. You know, it is tough inviting people at times. It's interesting. They said you might feel rejection. And I suppose we all fear that at times. But to go to that friend and just say, I wonder if you would consider, consider doing this. I'll go with you, in fact. And you'll be amazed at what God does. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 1. Written by Dr. Luke, who joins Paul in his worldwide travels, but it's, he records, In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, just to say, Zechariah would have been part of about 8,000 priests in that part of the world at the time. Okay, so here's one of them. And he was of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Every one of these things that Luke is recording here has a deep meaning. Okay, he's building a case for, for Jesus. He's building an understanding that people will be able to read this, particularly if you come from a Jewish culture, and understand, okay, oh yes, that fits there. And Elizabeth comes from that group. Oh, so she was from uh, Aaron's line, and they would understand all these things. Time doesn't allow me. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, 
he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Okay, That was one of the, the start of the formalities of the day, that someone would be selected. One of about 300 would be selected each day to go in. And you only did it once in your lifetime. So for Zechariah, he's been a priest all his life. He's an older man now. He's waiting for his turn, and they choose the lots. And on this day, Zechariah. So he's chosen. Very, very big moment for him. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared before him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. When the priest goes in to light the incense, he prays for the redemption of Israel. That's his duty. Light the incense, stand before the altars, they prepare for the sacrifices and say, Lord, Lord, not Lord Jesus, Father God, or not even Father God, that was to follow Yahweh. We pray for the redemption of your people. The next thing an angel's there, your prayer has been heard. Wow, what a moment. What a moment. Do not be afraid, for your prayers have been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I don't know about you this morning, because I knew the scripture was coming up, a people prepared. But it sounds like, through these words and the word that Anne brought, that God is preparing you. God's looking for a people who are prepared. Okay, don't miss that this morning. That's the context here. And Zechariah said to the angel, please, don't let this be your response, okay? How shall I know this? For I am old. My wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. 
And when his time of surf, uh, service ended, he went to his home. That's about two weeks of service in the temple, uh, a week at a time, twice a year. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in these days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. Amen. Isn't the word of God wonderful? Where would we be without the word of God? I hope you treasure it. I really do. What a privilege it is in these days to live with the word of God. One of my favorite statues in England. Oh, I mustn't get lost. Joel, I've got to watch the time. Um, is Tyndale, William Tyndale. There's a statue of him right on the embankment, and he stands there. And this is the man who took the, the Greek Bible and translated it for the first time into English. In fact, over 1,000 English words were made up by Tyndale as he translated the Bible because there weren't words in the English language that could describe what he was reading in the Greek. The word beautiful William Tyndale came up with this word. Can you believe it? I can't remember the others. Amazing. And to stand there and see, here's a man that gave his life so that we could have a Bible that we could dip in and out and be strengthened by God. Isn't that wonderful? Let me get back to my word. So here we have 400 years, the word of God, the voice of God has been silent among his people. 400 years. And then this moment comes. And this moment had been spoken of by the prophets of old. 740 odd years before Jesus, Isaiah is writing about this one who will come and be a voice and prepare the way for Jesus. Make way for the Lord in the desert. Make a way for him. Malachi prophesied. But for you who revere my name, those who look to the Lord, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. S-U-N. He said it's going to be like in the darkness. Suddenly the sun is going to come. I looked out over ooh, uh, Silicon Oasis maybe, that area. I can't remember where all the places are anymore. And the sun this morning was coming up, that big beautiful orange ball. And what Malachi was seeing, that there would be this time of darkness, 400 years. They didn't know how long, but then suddenly God would say, it is time. And the sun of righteousness, they didn't see it all, but the sun would rise, Jesus, and suddenly the light would break out. And this is that moment. And if you read the final words of the Old Testament, it ends with this. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Jesus later said, Elijah has come in the form of John the Baptist. And so we see the word had prepared for this day. And so often as Joel was encouraging, God speaks to us. He brings words to us. And as the people of God, we can't just be distant and look at this and say, oh, that's very nice, but it doesn't have much to do with me today. No, it does. God prepares us. He gets us ready. He stirs the church and he says, I'm coming. There's a new season. Get ready for it. So you live in that, that place. You say, Lord, I'm there. I don't know about you. I want to see God move. 
before we left for London, for England, from Dubai, God said to me, you will see revival in the days that you were there. I sat before the Lord three months ago, and I was just giving, I was trying to think, okay, I've got another year and a half in the UK, Lord, and then that door closes. I've seen so much. You've done so many great things. You've built a company of believers. The churches in a much more buoyant way. We've planted churches. We're in London now. I haven't seen revival. I got back to England. Some of our churches in the Bromley, south of London, they all joined together with the Catholics, with all these different people. And they called out to, the God as church, as, to God as churches together. And the next day they went on the streets over that week, 1,400 people gave their lives to the Lord on the streets of London. You think, come on, Lord, come and do it for us. It's been a long wait for the people of God, 400 years, long wait. But you know, God's plans are laying in wait. They're not forgotten. They're laying there, just waiting for God to say, it's time. The angels are getting ready, preparing things. Come on, Lord, just tell us. Gabriel's saying, Lord, I've got this message. When? Today's the day. Zechariah's standing there doing his duty. You know, he thinks, oh, it's the biggest day of my life. My religious life, I get to light the incense. Only once in my life, here I am. He stands there. There's the curtain, the holy of holies, right in front of him with all that beautiful design on it that they put. He's standing just that far from the very center of God's purposes in mankind. He's doing his thing. And the promises are behind him, building up, building up, and then it's the moment. It's the moment. It begins with this elderly man standing there going through these things. God has chosen for his son to rise on this faithful couple. And on this morning, he gets to be touched by God and see the commission happen in his life. Four things this morning. Number one, we need to live in expect, expectation of days of encounter. That when we open this word, when we get before God, and thank you for the worship this morning, absolutely lovely, we get there and we come in and think, Lord, is this the moment? We live in those times. A.W. Tozer, that great prophet from America, a few years before I was born and in my early years in the 1960s, can you believe it? He said, any man or woman who has revelation of God for themselves is never the same again. Never the same. You meet with God. You're never the same. Heather and I had a real tough 10 days before we came. We were dealing with 
three quite difficult pastoral issues. Two overseas, one in England. And the one in England, we both, on the night before we were meeting, the final meeting about this thing, said, I'm not sure we're going to see this through. I'd made alternative plans for this community that it involved. Didn't have much faith. And then the person we're dealing with turned up at our house, and you could think, something has shifted. And in this person's life, they had encountered the grace of God for themselves. And all we did is we went along for the ride and watched God transform them before our very eyes. People who meet with God are changed. And so here we find Zechariah. He's, he's about to light the incense. Something he's trained for. Something he's longed for. It's his moment. He can't wait until a few days later when his week of service in the temple is up to go back to his wife and say, I got it. I did it. I went right in. Just not quite there, but outside that curtain. He couldn't wait. He was there on behalf of his nation. The people of God carrying that prayer. God, as we light this incense, as we now come to you for the evening sacrifice, would you please redeem your people? All heaven says, yes. Can you believe it? In that moment, would you read? that prayer had been prayed every day for 400 years. And it's his turn. Lord, would you redeem your people? Yes. Seriously? It's that moment. All of heaven has been preparing for this promised moment. Now it's here. 5,000 years or so earlier, Daniel is before the Lord also, crying out for God's people when the same angel turns up. That's quite something to get your head around. I can't go there at the moment. But many, many years before, Daniel, Gabriel's there. Your prayers have been answered. <laughs> Took me a while to get to you, though. There's a battle over your life. But here I am to fulfill this prayer. I'm going to redeem my people from Babylon. Here's another man. God, redeem your people. Bang. As you, Joel stands here and he calls on you as a church and he says, come on, let's go for the lust across the city. My heart jumps, I think. Go for the lust. Go for them. What it takes is for us as individuals to say, I see it, Lord. Would you be with that colleague next to me at work? Would you be with this boss who treats me really badly? Would you save him or her? All it takes is that courage to go and say, um, excuse me. <laughs> we're doing this thing at the, where are we? Hilton Hotel. Would you like to come? This is what it's about. God says, yes, because he's the great evangelist. He's the one that goes ahead of us. So Zechariah's there, and the first thing he hears is, do not be afraid, because he got one hang of a fright. I think the English language here in the ESV is so inadequate. What does it say? It says, um, he was troubled. Ha! <laughs> troubled? 
Sounds like someone saying, hmm, doesn't quite work out. I think he's standing there, he lights incense, and suddenly, I wonder what Gabriel looked like. I wonder what this presence was. What shape he was in. Doesn't give us detail. My friend Jeff Kidwell, who many of you know, he really brought Heather and I through. He said to us on many times, many occasions, God takes a long time to do something suddenly. Is that your life at the moment? You're waiting for God. You're believing for God. And year after year, you think, ah, oh, I'm not going to. Imagine if Zechariah, forget it. I'm not going to the temple tonight. We've been doing this for 400 years. What difference can I make? Maybe his heart attitude was a bit like that. I don't know. He goes in there, let me do my duty. Okay, bang, wow, suddenly, 400 years comes to a close, and the angel's there. What does the Bible say about time in God's perspective? thousand years, like a moment to God. If we're going to operate in all that God's calling us to do as we expand across the nations and concentrating this coming here on the unreached people groups, which is really gripping my heart more and more. In London alone, we have 38 unreached people groups in our city. Don't have to go to the ends of the earth anymore. We walk past them. We're in the trains. We're all over. We've seen tremendous breakthrough. It even have to sell everything, pack everything, travel for six months to go to the nations. Nowadays, we walk through that door. And if we're going to fulfill what God's called us to do, it's personal revelation that I believe will lead you to that place. Personal revelation. It's time to seek the Lord. Encountering him changes everything. Just in a moment, this person we saw last week, it was glorious. They said, I didn't want to come, didn't want to talk about this. I was scared, didn't want to go there at all. But God. And the next moment we were through. Praise God. Number two, being faithful with what we have. How many of you in this room would say, things are really tough for me right now? Come on, be vulnerable. Just put up a little hand and say, things are really tough. Life is tough at times. Glorious other times, tough in other moments. We face many challenges. We live in a fallen world. The pressure's built up more and more. Our faith is coming under pressure and pressure and pressure. We're seeing that even on the news this last week as we get to Christmas. You can see how the press, particularly in the UK, is trying to destroy the meaning of Christmas. Seeing the White House, what did they call the Christmas tree, although that's a strange symbol anyway. But in, you know, just trying to make sure that Christ doesn't enter Christmas at all. The world is out there. But I tell you what, the one thing, if you want to see Christianity grow, put it under a little bit of pressure. That's what Christians need. 
You want to pray for that right now? Lord, send us pressure. (laughs) It's true. Send us, pre- Lord, send us pressure. We want to change the city. You know, think, oh, what a great prayer. But that's what it is. This man and his wife are under pressure. I wish I had time to go into all that this dear woman particularly would have faced in her time. Notice there's no mention of the man. Okay? Never his problem. This woman... Reproach. People would have said, what have you done? God's favor's not on you. God's forgotten you. She would have grown up year after year after year. Difficulties. But she seems to have such an amazing, loving husband. Things are tough for them. And the thing that you find in this beautiful account, when you read those words, it says, they were both Righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all his commandments and statutes before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, when times are tough, don't gripe, moan, betray your faith. Look to God. Because God blesses faithfulness. I'll come to that in the next one. Being faithful with what we have is blessed by God. There are scripture after scripture that point towards that. Jesus himself said, telling that lovely parable, he said, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. Well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25 tells us. And so we've got to live in this place. Even though life is tough, we say, we'll be there. We will push through. We will keep believing. Even when it's pressing in. Because in that moment, as you meet with God, we see the breakthrough. And when God comes, what does the Bible tell us? When we are generous, when we are faithful, He returns to us, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, He just rewards us. Zechariah is there for his people. Lord, he prays the prayer. He's been taught right through his training. Lord, please redeem your people, Israel. The angel's there. Yes, I've come to answer your prayers. But not only do I answer that prayer, your wife will be with child. That's our God. Sometimes we pray such little prayers. We pray such little prayers. Yesterday, as I sat with Fusil, catching up on all the news, and then he said, we're going City Hill, we're pushing for two services. I was telling him about a friend of ours in America, one of our regions beyond churches. They felt the same. They didn't have much momentum, and I was a bit worried. I said to them, are you sure about this? It's a big ask. And they said, we're going for it because God has said. So I said, well, then, who am I to argue? They kicked off. They got everyone mobilized. Do you realize that? Okay. You have to mobilize. If you go to service, everyone. Can you say that after me? Everyone. Okay, so when they say that, and they say, this is what we're doing, just remember, me too, everyone. So they got everyone mobilized. 
within a couple of weeks, they'd added another hundred and odd believers. God just blessed them. People being saved and added. Wonderful to see. We come to God and we say, Lord, would you bless us in this way? And God says, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. That's our faithful God. Amen. Number three, God speaks to us in the waiting. He speaks to us while we're in the waiting, that place of waiting. It must have been a tough time for the Israelites over that time. When time gone by, they'd had the prophets who would come and they would bring the voices. Suddenly it's like silence. But our God is a God who speaks to us. Not only does Gabriel speak to Zechariah and Elizabeth about having a son, but he continues, and he will give you great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth. He brings forth, he just doesn't put the one little answer, and he just speaks life into it. That this child will be one that's so different. That is our God. Number four, I'm going to go on very quickly because this is the one I really want to touch on. God, number four, God cares about our response. It must have been quite something to have been alive in these days. I'm sure, I'm not sure if Zechariah ever saw Luke's account and how his story had got into this God-breathed scripture of ours. But I'm sure if he had ever seen it or if he ever had counted the story, because I'm sure he did that, he must have thought, why was I so stupid? I'm there in the temple. I've got the angel Gabriel. And when he tells me what's going to happen, I say, how can this happen? What was I thinking? What on earth was I thinking, are you sure this can happen? Lord, can you really come and do that in my life? Can you bring me that husband or wife that I long for? Can you give me that child that I so desire? Can you break through in this area or that area? Can you raise me up to be a leader? And God speaks over our lives. And so easily our response can be, how can that happen? How can an oak tree in winter bring forth life? How can the seeds, when they deep in the earth, bring forth life? Only through one way. The grace of God. The grace of God. The grace of God. Father came to Jesus, Mark 9 it is, beautiful story. And his little child, little boy, I think it was, is being thrown into the fire. This child is demon-possessed. He's been thrown around. Every time there's water, this demon's trying to destroy him. Every time there's fire, he lands up in the fire. And this father comes because the disciples have been trying to help him and nothing's happening. And Jesus comes and he falls and he says, If you can do Anything. Please help me. Jesus, can you remember his reply? If I can. What are you holding before the Lord today? 
Maybe you're worrying about a child or a loved one. You're saying, Lord, I've been praying for this one for years. I've been asking you. I've really been longing for the salvation of my family. I've been asking for this. So hold it before God. It's not if you can. It's, Lord, I bring it to you believing. Believing you can come in a moment. And Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible for those who believe. Positional shift. There's so much more I would love to say to you. But what a moment that was for Zechariah. But unbelief creeps in. Particularly when God speaks into barrenness. He said, uh, you seen my wife, Lord? <laughs> I'm old and she is also not that sprightly any longer. Can life come from her? Only belief. All things are possible. Paul wrote to his dear son Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 6. And he said to him, Timothy, commit yourself to the purpose of the Lord. It's the hard-working farmer who's the first to reap to get a harvest. And we need to live like that. Not sitting back and saying, okay, I've prayed that prayer. No, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking, Lord, because I know in a moment you speak into the darkness and it comes. Days of encounter. Come on, can I exhort you? Sit with this word and say, Lord, please speak to me out of your word. Speak to me. I want to encounter you. Make time. Start small and just build up. Don't feel guilty, but sit there and say, Lord, I'm not going to just read the Bible. I want to encounter you. Because this is the story of God reaching out to us. Days of encounter. Be faithful with what you have. You are so blessed to be in this community. Be faithful. You're blessed to be a believer. Be faithful. Say, God, I'm so grateful. I loved that song earlier. Lord, we give you thanks. Thankful what God's done. God is a God who speaks into the waiting. Remember, what takes long sometimes is answered suddenly by God. But God cares about our response. Won't you stand? Thank you. wonder if anybody had said to Zechariah that day, oh, by the way, you know that, that curtain you were admiring? That beautiful embroidered curtain with all those lovely things on it pointing to God's purposes and everything. Um, in three decades, that's not going to be there any longer. Because everyone... Not only you, called by lot, chosen by lot, everyone will be able to go in. <laughs> oh, by the way, you won't, you won't need that altar any longer. 
In fact, Zachariah, sorry, even the priests are going to be out of a job. Because we'll all be priests. We can all enter in. We can all go in there with our prayers and say, Lord, would you save my nation? Would you save this one? Would you reach out? Won't you lift your hands at the moment? Just for a moment. Father, we're going to do the, the offering. I know you do it at the end of the meeting. I'm going to do that in a moment. I'm going to hand over to Joel, but just for a few moments here. Let's, let's walk through the story. Come with me. It's your moment. You're going in. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You can come confidently to me. If you're troubled, even if there's unbelief, come to me this morning. Those prayers, those promises of old that you've been carrying in your heart. Bring them to me this morning. I spoke over your family. I spoke over your job. I spoke over your life, your marriage. I spoke over your church. I spoke over your movement. Suddenly. I'm going to give an invitation. If you feel, even as you've listened to this and thought, wow, you know, whenever I go into God's presence, I go with so little expectation. In fact, my spiritual fervor is maybe a little bit dull at the moment. Why don't you get out your chair right now and come and join us up at the front. We can fill here. And as we sing this song, let's gather to him who is able. If you feel in any way that just your walk with the Lord is just dull at the moment, say, no more, Lord. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. Father, I bless you for this community. I thank you for City Hill, Lord. I thank you this is a fruitful vine in your vineyard. Thank you for the dreams they have. Thank you for the words spoken over them. Thank you for the forthcoming Alpha Course, Lord. Thank you for the promises of a new season. Thank you for all these things. Now, Lord, we respond to you as one. And we say, Lord, come to us this morning. Come and meet with us right now. May we be a people who encounter you for ourselves. Not some dead religion, but Lord, live, living, fervent, zealous, hungry, thirsty for you. We pray for that, Lord. We pray for that. I pray our Alpha Course, Lord, that everyone would invite one. Wow. 200 and odd people at an Alpha Course. Father, let your rain fall on this community. Come visit them, Lord, and fulfill your word for them today. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church.